It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. And good afternoon, I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle. An hour every Saturday at 2, when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week, or a subject that doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So pleased that you're with me here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We have the full A-team on the other side of the glass, Rich and... Kevin and Ava and Izzy all helping me get through this hour. And then at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lewa comes in for left versus right. He and I are going to have a good deal to talk about and probably a good deal we are going to agree upon. There is There was some outrageous things in the papers today and this week in New York, and we're going to have a chance to catch up on that. You can always hear. You can hear us virtually anywhere on the globe with the uh, WABC Talk Radio app. You can always get this in the form of a podcast or WABCradio.com. It is really great to have you along. I'm at, at Rep Wiener on Twitter, WienerWABC at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, we do a lot of politics today. We're going to do a little preview of some of the races here in New York City, a preview of the midterm elections, some things that you should be looking for and watching for. And a little later, probably in the second half of the show, I'm going to tell you about one congressional district in particular that is going to be as close to a bellwether for what's going to happen, whether the House is going to go red or blue in November as any. Um, And 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, politics is going to be the conversation today. A little bit of punditry. I used to say when I was a politician and when a reporter would ask me to predict something or to understand why something was happening, um, I said, I'm not a pundit, I'm a politician, and then I'd go on to answer. Now I'm a little bit of a pundit, so I'll be glad to do that. It has been kind of a crazy... Day, day and a half for me. You know, usually on Fridays, the day before the show, is when I really start to take some of the ideas during the week and I put them in paper and I start to organize what I'm going to do here on the middle. Except yesterday, I had to, for reasons that I don't need to explain here, I had to go do a favor for someone where I had to drive all the way out east and I had, they were, they had an Airbnb, one group of renters was leaving at noon. Another group was coming in at three o'clock and I agreed to go and help out with that rapid turnover that of this place. <clears throat> and the problem was I don't have the car. Huma is away with Jordan. They're having a fun weekend. Um, the, he's playing some tennis. Um, I, I would like him to take up tennis. I was a tennis player when I was his age. He is having some of the same problems I had when I was his age. He's having anger fits and everything else. He's angry when he doesn't win. I was angry when I was a kid that I didn't play well. But putting that aside, I don't have the car. So I borrow um, I borrow a car from a friend of mine, my friend Peter, and he's got this really nice car. And um, it w- was going to be a really tough day one way or the other. I had to drive about three hours, do this work, drive back. Again, it's normally the day that I would be you know, preparing for the show. And um, pulled it off just in the nick of time. And just as I'm getting ready to pull away, this, this woman who was helping me clean up, this, this uh, woman who's with this cleaning crew that is there, she says to me in Spanish to take these two bags that she had with me. Um, and I thought she said comida. I thought she said it was food. 
As soon as she handed it to me and I put them in the back seat of the car, it immediately became clear that one of them was basura. One of them was garbage. And as quickly as I could, I, told, I, I, I pulled them out. I found a dumpster. I illegally threw it into someone else's dumpster as I drove out of town. But the damage was done. The, the smell was in the car. And I was, I was mortified because, you know, borrowing a car is a big, big enough thing. But borrowing a car and then returning it damaged in that kind of a way. It might even be better to have a car accident, a fender bender or something like that, than leave it smelling. And so I, I, I immediately start looking for a super editor, a supermarket. I go buy a big thing of Febreze and I start spraying furiously all over the back seat. Um, open all the windows and then I start on this drive back. And I'm and every once in a while, I was in traffic, every once in a while I reach back, spray more Febreze back there and it was still smelling. And when I... It wasn't until I pulled back into town and I'm handing the car back over to to, um, to Peter. And by the way, while I was out there, although I was really pressed for time, I did wash the car and then do a quick waxing of the car because the car was kind of dirty. But I didn't get a chance to do the inside. So he's great. He says, oh, my God, the car looks amazing. Thanks so much. We get in and he starts laughing and says, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of a smell in here. And he must have seen the look on my face because he said to me, he says, listen, he says, here's what I'll, uh, what I'll do. I said to him, I'll, let me take it someplace. And he needed the car today. And he says, look, why don't you do this? Keep the car overnight. Take it to a place, whatever it is. Leave the windows open. It'll be fine in the morning. So this morning, again, Saturdays, usually when, uh, when you know I have a Saturday 12-step meeting I go to, and then I start to do my preparation for the show and really start to lock it in. Instead, this morning, I got up at the crack of dawn, and I found a place that at 7 a.m., uh, a um, car wash that 7 a.m. opens up that said that they can detail the inside of the car to get the smell out for me. And it's over as anyone who lives in Manhattan or lives in New York City knows, the only place left that has car washes are on the far west side of Manhattan. So it's a place around 48th, I want to say, and 11th Avenue. And so I drive over there and I'm, again, stressed out about this whole situation, thinking it's going to be hours that they're going to be there working on it. I brought up my notebook and everything. I brought my phone. I'm all ready to do some work while I'm there. And, um, and it turned out, I mean, I was so full of stress and anxiety and it turned out to be just an amazing morning. For one thing, you know, the, these car washaderos, the guys who work at the car wash, they were, you know, it was the first thing they were still relaxed. They gave me, you know, they recognized me and we had some jokes together, them and their broken English, me and my broken Spanish. Um, the only people that are out on that side, that part of the, of the neighborhood, I guess that's the Tenderloin district. By the way, the Tenderloin District, for those of you who don't know, that's, that was named by – or that phrase was coined by a captain, you know, a, a captain in 1876 and the police captain in 1876. And he, he, he would say, um, I've been having chuck steak ever since I've been on the force, but now I'm going to have a bit of Tenderloin, referring to that part of the town where there was so much shaking down to be doing so many prostitutes, so, many, so much illegal gambling and everything else. The Tenderloin District on the west side of Manhattan. Anyway, so the only people who are out at that time, it's a very quiet part of the city, first thing in the morning on a Saturday anyway, but the only people who are out, the car wash guys, the guys who are lining up early morning car wash guys, these livery guys for whom their cars are their office and they're lining up. And those guys are all in, you know, the hardworking guys, but they're there in their relatively good mood. And these guys are like real salt of the earth kind of guys. You know, think about those two groups, livery car guys, car wash guys. You know, it reminds me of, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King had this expression that, there's dignity in all work and that all labor uplifts humanity. And I really got a chance to see it where they're in, you know, just goofing around. We're joking with one another. And the other people that are out on the west side of Manhattan at this time is a lot of 
guys with baby Bjorns going on long walks trying to get their baby to be still or to get some sleep. You know, I remember the days when Jordan was like that, that they wouldn't sleep at normal hours. The only way he would sleep is if you put a baby Bjorn is a is a is basically a swaddler that you wear on your chest. So a lot of like guys looking exhausted walking around their babies. A lot of dog walkers, right? First thing in the morning, a lot of people out there, no matter what the time it is, the dogs have to get walked. And it's this part of the city, you know, now it's, I guess it's north of Hudson Yards. It's extraordinarily quiet and, and just, it was just a great kind of moment, you know, and, and, and it came over me as they're, they're cleaning the car with, you know, I get in the car, I put on some of Peter's music. He's a big, big hip hop guy and some great music is on. And then I return his car and it's still very early in the morning. Those guys did a really fast job and I'm hearing the music and I realized, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the music and I realized, you know, very often, I don't know about you guys, but very often for me, you know, God talks to me, my higher power talks to me through music. Like it really has a way of, of, of lifting me up. And I was thinking about this idea that, you know, none of this would have happened. This moment that I'm having in New York City, in the beautiful parts of New York City, the quiet, still parts of New York City. I got a scooter back, one of those Revel scooters, and the streets are completely empty. Just everything was completely calm. And I put on, on the music on my... On my headphones, I put on, you know, all of us have these apps that you can just, you know, have them suggest songs for you based on an algorithm of what songs you've listened to in the past. So it's all this new music I hadn't heard before. And it just made me realize that, you know, um, that this is this was the, exactly the way it was supposed to be, that I was supposed to be at this moment doing those things. You know, this notion of acceptance um, you know, that I read about, I read you guys the acceptance prayer last week. I got a few emails about it. People want to tell me where, where to find that. It's the, it's the acceptance prayer from the big book of AA. It's, you know, I don't know what page it is or anything like that. Um, and it reminds me of another thing that, that, that is important to kind of, to kind of keep in mind at, at, at moments like this. And that is that, you know, um, that you should abandon all hope of a better past, like whatever, Maybe I shouldn't have put those garbage bags in that, that thing, but if I hadn't, I wouldn't have had to spend that time with Peter. If I didn't, I wouldn't have been getting up first thing in the morning and doing a different routine than I normally did. I wouldn't have heard the songs that I did. Everything happens for that kind of a reason. And now this lousy experience with bags of garbage in the back of the car turned into this magical, beautiful kind of morning that we had. And, um, oh, by the way, it still smells. <laughs> Peter texted me. To say it's all good, but there's still a little bit of um, of smell uh, coming out of the car. But I just want to tell you, so that that's what I started out the day. But I want to do um, what we we uh, now that we're done with the spiritual part of the show. Um, this is a podcast this week. We're going to do all about politics, all about the midterm elections coming up. We finally have a quiet week in August where we haven't been deluged with new information or some hot hot issue of the week. So we're going to do a little bit of of, of that this week. So let's start. With the numbers of the week. Oh, for those of you who are wondering what happened to episode seven of Keys to the City, the the hardware software here ate it, and it's can be saved. Hopefully, early this week it'll be coming out. Episode seven. It means give you a couple of extra days to, to listen to episode six of Keys to the City. You can always get them on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hopefully, a little later this week. It's an interesting one. It's a one where I talk about whether environmentalists should be against the alt- alternate side of the street parking regulations. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. So a couple of numbers of the week, and um, they're political in nature. The first number is 150. That is the number of feet away you have to stay with food and water 
uh, from polling places in uh, Georgia under their new law. They passed a new law that says you cannot give anyone a drink of water or food within 150 feet of a polling place. Otherwise, um, you'll be in violation of their law. And another provision of the law says you have to stay 25 feet away from the last person in line. <laughs> so if the if the if the line goes all the way down the block, that means sometimes you can't give water out for blocks and blocks away. Sound crazy? I would agree. I don't know how anyone can claim to be a small government conservative uh, or care about your individual freedoms with that kind of rule. That's being challenged in court, but so far it's been allowed uh, to stand. Um, Another number of the week gets us to some of the results of the election so far. 28.9. That is the percent that Liz Cheney got in her primary this week. We've heard a lot about this. She got 70% last time. I wanted to mention this one because there's a lot of talk about Liz Cheney is going to run for president. Liz Cheney's not running for president. She's done running for things. I don't care what she says. Think about it. She's going to run for president. Is a Republican? Okay. If she wants to jam up President Bush, there's not a single state party or there's not a single Republican party in the entire country or that would um, make it possible for her to even be on a debate stage. <laughs> Think about it. They're not going to let her into any debate. So she thinks she's going to. And by the way, if she runs... She's not going to get any votes. Remember what happened? There were like six or seven people that ran against President Trump last time claiming to be the anti-Trump Republican. None of them got any votes. So she's not going to do that. She's not going to run as a third party unless she wants to help Donald Trump get elected again because think about it. She's not getting any Republican votes right now. So she's done. <coughs> Forgive me. Um, you know, Probably what she does is raises money for somebody or writes a book or something like that. But she's finished. And this is a good time to note, whatever you think of Donald Trump, and I don't mention him a lot on the show as you know, <clears throat> I get very emotional about this subject. Forgive me for coughing. Stand by. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, he has now ended the Bush legacy, ended the Cheney legacy, <clears throat> and it looks a bit like he's ended the Clinton legacy. So the guy is quite the um, quite the, uh, the 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 slayer of big names. And another race, uh, uh, another number, thirty one percent. That's what Sarah Palin got in her race for Congress, representing all of Alaska. And um, that was enough for second place. She's not done yet. <coughs> um, she's not done yet because now they have an instant runoff election. The first place finisher actually was a Democrat, a woman named Mary Pelota, 38%, and a Republican uh, got, 30, uh, got 29%. I'm going to explain that there is a chance, a very, there's a very good chance that she doesn't win that seat. And then I'm going to also tell you about what's going to happen in every one of the primaries here in New York City next week and then tell you about a, a race a little later on that will that you can watch for that will tell you what's going to happen in the country as a whole. It's great to have you along on the middle. We'll see you on the other side. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change. Reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC.
And welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. Every Saturday from 2 to 3, that is Bad Manners. They are going to be the band that are going to bring us back from the breaks. They are a seminal ska band and one of my favorites. Hope you enjoy them. Um, and so I, I, was, I was explaining how this Alaska primary is going to work out. But let me put out a call for, um, for some callers here. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And I want especially to hear from people who live in a couple of districts I don't know terribly well but are going to be on the ballot on Tuesday. One is the one up by Buffalo which is taking place um, between um, in the suburbs of Buffalo, a Republican district that has an interesting cast of characters. Also, the races on Long Island proper, I don't know. I say Long Island proper because I don't mean Brooklyn. That one I got a pretty good handle on. So if anyone has insight into those races, wants to give us a 30-second preview of what to expect on Tuesday or wants to give a shout-out to their favorite candidate, encourage you to call in 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. <clears throat> Nine two two two. So I was explaining to you a little bit of how Alaska works, and I bring it up because we in the middle try to look for places that that kind of common sense common sense solutions to things. And the way they do their election is first of all open in that any Democrat or Republican can run, and they're, and it attracts a couple of dozen candidates. And what they do is then they get it down to the final four candidates. But you rank choice your votes. You put. It will, like we did for mayor in New York City. You vote for the person you like, number one, and then you can put someone else down, number two. Now, what in influence does that have? What it does is it encourages a couple of things. One, it encourages candidates to really try to find ways to appeal not just to their base but to other candidates' bases as well. And it also discourages people being negative on each other because they want to get the second-place votes from the uh, from the other candidates. And so the math that's going on out there is fascinating because the first-place finisher is a Democrat. Now – that's not as unusual as it might sound because the second and third are both Republicans. It's a red state, an undoubtedly a red state, but an interesting red state. Um, so um, so the, this, this woman who is, in, who is leading in, in first place in, in this, um, she has about 38 percent. Sarah Palin, as I said, is second, and then a guy named Mark Belich is in third with about 29 <clears> percent. <throat> so now what's going to happen? So now, not right away, it takes about 10 days before they start counting. Now you say, why does it take so long before they start counting? Conspiracy or ballots? No, this is Alaska. Very often the mail to get from one side of Alaska to another, plus the anyone serving in the military, it takes a very long time to get there. There's no controversy about that part. In 10 days, they're going to start counting second-place votes. But <clears throat> Mark, since, since the Democrat finished first, and Sarah Palin, who's very unpopular in the state, I know that might, might sound weird, you know, that you know, we know her so well, she has about 60% negatives in the race. A couple of reasons. She quit as governor. She moved out of the state. She moved to Arizona. She's very unpopular. But you'd figure that the third-place Republican, most of his second-place votes would go to her. <coughs> but that's not necessarily the case because she has – again, she's not a very popular candidate. And there might be people that choose instead for this woman, Mary Polito, who as Democrats pre- prevailed. So there is about a 50-50 chance if you do all the algorithms that a Democrat winds up prevailing there. <coughs> and as far as – What's going on around the country? The Senate, which once looked pretty 50-50-ish, is now starting to look better and better for Democrats. Georgia, Ohio, North Carolina, Nevada are basically tied. Georgia, Democrats are up a little bit, but that's I think that's going to wind up being a red state, even with Herschel Walker. But we'll find out. I mean, it's, it's, it's a Democratic incumbent seat now. Ohio is kind of the same way. Ohio is leaning – is doing okay for, in the polls for Democrats, but it's a really Republican state at this point. <clears throat> North Carolina's tied, probably going to go Republican. 
Nevada probably going to go Democrat. But Democrats are up comfortably in Pennsylvania and Arizona. What have we learned? A couple of things. One, Donald Trump's endorsed candidates have done very, very well in these primaries, but are doing very poorly in the general. But that could change. It's only August. And we've also learned that the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, which is the ca- the campaign organized by s- Republicans in the Senate to get more members of the Senate, is being terribly run by this guy named Scott in Florida. He's wasting a ton of money. He's pulled ads out of states or you know here in August that need to have them for, re- for Republicans to do well. So the Senate is looking more and more likely to stay Democratic, much more likely than it was just, just a couple of months ago. Um, and in the House of Representatives, we have primaries this week in New York City and the area around New York City. And I'm now going to tell you what's going to happen. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to record two versions of this, making two different predictions. And then I'm going to delete the one that I got wrong. Rich is looking at me like, we can't do that. I'm like, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. First, let's start in New York City. And again, I know there are a lot of, a lot of right-leaning listeners to this program and into this and to this network. A lot of these are Democratic primaries. There, there is an interesting, somewhat interesting thing going on in New York 11 on Staten Island, a bit of Brooklyn. <clears throat> and that in that um, Malinakis, who's the incumbent, Maliatakis, the incumbent, is being challenged by someone who's just running purely on an anti-vax message. It might be interesting to see how many votes he gets, whether that still resonates with people on the right. But she's going to be – Maliotakis is going to be fine. In the two interesting races in New York, there's the one in Manhattan where I'm sitting right now between Gerald Nadler and Carolyn Maloney, these two lions of the House of Representatives. They do have some things different about them though. They're, they're very similar records, but Carolyn Maloney had done some things early in her career. I think she regrets in terms of questioning vaccines – um, and linking, making a, a link that doesn't exist in science between um, vaccines and autism. She voted against the Iran nuclear deal when um, Jerry Nadler voted in favor of it. And the, this, and the, the vote that haunts everybody and when it haunted me when I ran for office years and years ago, but still is her life today, she voted in favor of the war in Iraq and Nadler voted against it. Long story short, Nadler's going to win that district. He's leading in the polls. I, I said on, on, on this show, and I said on John Katsimatidis' show, I said it to Curtis months ago, I always thought you preferred to be an Upper West Side candidate than an Upper East Side candidate. There's more Democrats there. <clears throat> but this third candidate, um, Patel, is not going to win, but he's clearly hurting Carolyn Maloney. So Jared Nadler's going to win that race, and uh, I don't know how much longer he's going to serve in Congress. He's been there a very long time, and if the Democrats don't hold the House, he's going to be in the minority. I don't know how much he's going to enjoy that. The other race is this is a di- the district that's going to elect a new member of Congress, and that person will probably be there for a very long time. It's a district that I used to live in. I represented a part of it. My mom and dad still live there. Chuck Schumer lives there. It is lower Manhattan, basically below 14th Street, and then neighborhoods in Brownstone, Brooklyn, um, Park Slope, a little bit of Windsor Terrace, a little bit of Borough Park, although not very much, Sunset Park, Gowanus, places like that. A very interesting race. It has a guy with a bunch of money and a guy named Dan Goldman, um, white guy, bunch of money, lawyer. He was the his claim to fame is that he was the lawyer that advised the House of Representatives in the impeachment of uh, of Donald Trump. That's obviously very compelling in this very blue district. He's got a bunch of money and is imp- and importantly got the New York Times endorsement. And the New York Times probably doesn't matter in ninety nine point nine percent of the country, but it does matter in this district. That helps him. There is another candidate, Mondaire Jones, who moved clear across the state, um, and he's got a bunch of money also. He's nominally an incumbent, but not from this district. Um, 
I don't think he's going to finish in the top tier of voters, but he's got a bunch of money. He's on the, on television a lot. African-American gay guy. That is um, not a bad thing to be in New York City, but he's not from New York City, and I think he's going to have a tough time getting out from under that. There is a candidate, this woman new, whose first name I, I can't remember. She is far left, AOC kind of candidate, supports BDS in a district that that's, that's not popular. I mean, I don't think she's going to win. She's the only candidate I've looked at. I'm like, God, that would be really bad if that person gets elected. The candidate who I think is going to prevail is this woman, Carlina Rivera. Now, she's not leading in the last poll, but has been in the top tier of the polls all the way along. She's kind of staked out. She's a city councilwoman. I mean, I get to, to watch her a little bit because um, I'm in her district. Young, Latina, really smart. Staked out kind of these moderate positions on things. I mean, very progressive record, but all it takes to be moderate is to say things like, no, I'm not going to. You know, I don't support, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't support everything. Um, <clears throat> and she's she's shown that she stands up. She stands up for stuff like she did this deal on um, on environmental changes to the east side to make it more sustainable. And there are people that found the controversial. Anyway, I think I think she's going to wind up prevailing. <clears throat> and I think that'll be an, an excellent thing for a city to have her. Um, now, as I said, I am not really familiar, and people want to call in on this, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, if you are familiar with some of the races on, on Long Island or you're familiar with the race up in, in Buffalo. Um, those races are going to be interesting. Now, <clears throat> this is the, um, the, the – these are kind of – what is going to happen also is this one race – that um, I really want to want to talk about. I want to give it a little more time, um, but uh, th- the way it is looking now is that the Democrats are fairly are much better positioned than they were just a couple of months ago. So there's something called the generic ballot that you've heard referred to probably by pundits, which I said I'm one now. Um, which where you ask people, they get asked the same question all throughout the country. Which which makes it kind of w- would you rather have Democrats or Republicans? Represent, no, do you plan to vote for Democrat or Republican um, in this year's election? And right now, it's 49, uh, 43.9 to 43.3 Democrats in the lead. Now, usually in big, the number to look at, that's an important number to look at because that means basically it's 50-50, which is, means basically a 50-50 House of Representatives. There are reasons it doesn't work out exactly because of gerrymandering and other types of things, but that's basically a 50-50. That is not a sweep by any imagination. For, I'll give you an idea. In 2017, when the Democrats had their big sweep um, in the midterm of the first midterm of Donald Trump, they they had like double digit, you know, leads in the generic balloting. Um, so that's that's what you would expect to see. So in almost you know a lot of the reason why people think okay, there's going to be a, a red wave coming, and I, I I still think that the Republicans are going to take over the the House, is because the 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 midterm election after a first term presidency always. Always the out party, meaning in this case the Republicans, um, gain seats. The only question is how many. I say always, but I don't mean always because there were two times. I got this fact wrong the last time I gave it to you. Two times it didn't happen. Once was in 1998 when I coincidentally got elected and once was in 2002. In 1998, historians say the reason that happened then was because it was right after the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And people believe that the Congress, the Republicans in Congress – were just so overreached, and there was this, you know, they and it really animated Democrats to come out to the polls. In 2002 it was after September 11th, and Republicans, Democrats alike, were really feeling a sense of unity. 
there wasn't this big throw the bums out kind of environment. Two extraordinary things <coughs> historically that were going on in those two years. So what do we have this year? Well, we've got the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, and all the Michigas with January 6th and the president. There might be things that are going on that are, in, that are getting Democrats – turning out or feeling more energized than normally they would be if they had an in when they're the in party that might be happening this year it might be kind of a third kind of weird glitchy type of thing now i don't know um you know it's august but when you compare it to where we are in um in in june or in may um the democrats are in a lot lot better position so I would say that it went from, and there are actually people who do these kind of combined numbers. If you wanted to think about a sweep, meaning House and Senate, I would have said that the odds were about 60% of a combined sweep back in May and June. And now I think it's probably no more than a 30% chance because I think the Senate has dramatically improved. And I think that the House has improved. Maybe that's too low. Maybe it's higher than that, 40%, something like that. Um, but it's, it's by no means a gimme anymore. Uh, and, you know, the, and the Democrats are in a, in a fairly in – a, in, in a good place also because now they've got some legislation that they've done. But I want to caution you. Don't get you – know, no one should get too far out over the skis on anything that happens in August. But when we come back from the break um, – when we come back from the break – I'm going to tell you about a district that has a special election, the last one in the in the country that is going to go on in our very own New York state that could well be the perfect test of what's going to happen in the whole country in November. And it's right here in New York state. It's a fascinating race. It's one that we don't talk about a lot here on Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to get in on any of these, these, these or ask me a question about some other district or, or lend me some insight into something going on in, in your neighborhood, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. This is an all-politics edition of The Middle here on 77 WABC Talk Radio, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. It's The Middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC.
And welcome back to the middle every Saturday from 2 to 3 and always available on the WABCradio.com or the uh, w- the 77 WABC app. That is, um, you can hear that a little bit longer. There you go. There you go. This is uh, Lorraine by Bad Manners. A little bit of ska music. There you go. Thank you. Anyway, well, we are talking politics today. And when uh, Curtis comes in at 3 o'clock, we're talking about some of the crime the crime going on here in New York, how Kathy Hochul is trying to handle it. We're going to talk a little bit about Whitey Bulger's killers being arrested, supposedly. I say supposedly. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about a race that is going on upstate New York in the Hudson Valley. That is a special election. It's not a primary. It's a vacancy that was created when Antonio Delgado, uh, 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 I think he only served one term, He was chosen by Kathy Hochul to be her second choice to be lieutenant governor. He left his seat in Congress. This is a special election, and it's a weird one because it's a district that won't exist after uh, January. It's redistricted now, and so they're just – this is a race to see who's going to fill out Delgado's term. And it's almost a perfect toss-up. It's the last special election that's going to happen in the country. And before I tell you about it, let me tell you about some of the special elections that have happened before. So – you know, we have those numbers like the generic ballot and the traditional things that go on in election years and in election years and off years and things like that. But the best tell is when you have special elections because you actually get a chance to see what actual voters and actual candidates do. And then you can compare it to where it used to be in that district and you get a nice sense about where the country is going. So it started out very bad for Democrats in special elections. It was a special election in South Texas. And it was a Democratic district, uh, yes, a Democratic district that the Republican candidate won by five in June in Texas. And it was a district that Biden had won by four. So if you see how I look at it, that's a nine-point swing. That was in June. Very bad, very bad sign. Not only was it a, a pickup by the Republicans, but it was a pickup in a, in a district that, um, that uh, Biden had carried. Also in, I think it was in June, in California, they had to replace Devin Nunes. You know that name? He used to be the head of the, I want to say, the Intelligence Committee. He left Congress to be, um, uh, uh, to, um, he left Congress to take over Truth Social, which is the social media platform for Donald Trump. Anyway, there's a vacancy. And the Democrats thought they had a chance, a chance at that district because Trump only carried it by six, point, by six points two years ago. Uh, um, forgive me. Uh, yes, two years ago. Trump only carried it by six points. It's Republican district, but, it, you know, it's in that area. The person that came in that won the seat, a Republican, won it by 22 points. This is in California. So far from being a swingy district, it looks like that is that was a very bad performance by Democrats. Very bad signs for the Democrats in these midterm elections. Then things started to get hairy for Republicans. In, uh, in southern Minnesota... There was an open seat, and they had a special election. It was um, a district that was won by Republican. The Republican won it, (coughs) forgive me, by four points. The only problem is it was a district that Trump had won by 10 points. So if you were going to see, if you were going to see a red wave, you would expect to see a 15 or 20 point victory this time, right? Because now Biden's not, it's not a democratic time. Democrats weren't coming out as, as much. The GOP only won it by four points. Similarly, in Nebraska, 
Nebraska had a special election. The Republican won it by five points in a district that Trump won by 15 points. So those are not great signs if you're a Republican, which brings us to this race I wanted to talk about. I started to mention it. It's in the Hudson Valley. It has two good candidates. These are not no bad candidates, not like those Senate races that have some some dogs for candidates. There's a guy named Mark Molinaro, who was once the youngest mayor in America. You might recognize his name. He ran for governor. He is the um, he is the uh, the Dutchess County executive, and he's running against a guy, a good good guy named Pat Ryan, who's a Republican. I'm sorry, a Democrat, an Army veteran, and the Ulster County executive. This is a district that was basically a toss-up district. Biden carried it by two points in 2020. So this is the perfect, and unlike other districts where you have, where you can argue that maybe the, the candidates are not, are not running the best kind of race they could, the Republican running all about inflation, all about crime, all about the, you know, the, uh, the uh, gas prices, all about the, 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 the weaknesses of the, Repub- of, the, of, the, of the top of the ticket. The Democrat, all about choice, all about the issues that are animating Democrats now, talking over and over again about, about the, the Dobbs decision and, and, and the like. They both have a bunch of money. The Republicans have dumped a bunch of money in. The Democrats have put a bunch of money in. And we are going to find out on Tuesday at every poll. There haven't been a lot of them, but every kind of insider poll all says the same thing. Toss-up. So why is this a bellwether? Well, it's a bellwether because it's the last special election we're going to have until November. This is it. After this, it's primaries, and that's, that's all that's left to do is, is candidates you know, deciding which side, you know, which is the more, you know, basically primaries. That's one reason. The second reason is a lot of these races that are turning on, you know, the big lie and who's the Trump guy, who's the not Trump guy, those aren't the kind of races that are mostly getting run around the country. Mostly that are getting run around the country are local races that these guys have it, you know, basically are testing out what's going to win. Is it going to be choice or is it going to be inflation? Is it going to be, you know, how bad is the economy or is it going to be how bad your freedoms are, whatever it is, however you want to phrase it. And so this race and also there are two solid candidates. A funny footnote about this race, this district is not going to exist after this year, as I said. So what's going to happen to these two guys? They both could be in Congress. I'll tell you why, because they're both running in different districts. Remember, redistricting is going on. So new districts are running in November. These guys are filling out a seat just till November. These guys, you've got one guy who's going to win, serve out his time in one district. Then they're both on the ballot to appear in November in different districts. So it could be that the congratulatory call is going to be, hey, Mark, good race. Congratulations. I'll see you in Washington in a few months because that could be the way it all works out. But it's a fascinating race. The funny thing is I don't have the number here. I want to say 18. 18. Um, I don't have the number here. But it's, it's, it's Woodstock, Hudson Valley, places like that. And I think it's going to be a fascinating race. Well, we have time for a couple of calls, and then we have to go to a quick break. But the rest of the time will be for you, 800-848-9222. It's an all-politics middle today. We're in the middle of the political season. You've heard my, my locks. Let's get a, a, a few calls in here, and for uh, forgive me for the ones that I've, I've uh, uh, left um, holding. Uh, Chris in the Catskills, we were just talking about upstate New York. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I know both of those men quite well. That that race is going to – that's exactly what's going to happen. Mark Molinaro is going to win in November for the new 19, 
And he's going to have to move in order to live in the district because he's been the Dutchess County executive for 10 and a half, over 10 and a half years. And uh, he, the district doesn't include the new district isn't going to include any of Dutchess County. So give us your we're doing we're doing lock solid predictions here. We're doing lock of the week. What do you say is going to happen in their head to head? The two of them. Okay, so there's an internal poll with the Pat Ryan campaign. I know Pat Ryan very well, actually. Three points. They have Molinaro up by. This is a poll that they did. I don't know, a week or two ago, I'm assuming. So they, that's within, that's going to be within their margin of error for the sampling size. So they're, they're putting a final push out. Yeah, fascinating. There was a, de- there was a debate they had uh, on online. It's on YouTube with the Kingston Daily Freeman, and uh, Molinaro got rattled by by the question, "Why should Dutchess County voters trust you to work for them when you're moving out of the county?" You know, because the like 30 percent of Dutchess County is in the special election district got it got so, it well that's that's some some that's some really good insight from chris on what's going on in district 19 i also now know what the number is um let's get some some other insights uh frank in astoria go ahead frank yeah i gotta tell you i don't know if you researched uh my um well let me just start with carolyn maloney all right uh, i gotta tell you i've known her for years and years she's a very good compassionate uh, a Democrat, but she's on the side of Hillary Rodden Clinton and Bill Clinton and other Democrats that are very well known. And Jerry Nadler, you know, has been insisting for years and years and years. And I got to tell you, I think that Carolyn Maloney is in the last limb uh, to, because most of her supporters here in Astoria, Queens, where I'm from, are no longer around here anymore for some reason. They're not, her, her poll numbers are dropping dramatically. And, you know, if, if you notice a race years ago with, um, uh, a candidate for a state assembly uh, named um, Aravella Samotis. Now she was replaced by Zanrin K. Mamadani. Uh, and you're talking about Patel. I've seen these two gentlemen on the street smiling at me, saying to vote for them. Uh, you know, and I really feel bad. I'm usually from the old school. I'm a Democrat from the old school. I voted for Carolyn many, many times, but it seems that the momentum for her is going down, down, down. And, you know, I'm, I feel sad that the, many of the old politicians that work here in Astoria, Manhattan, she especially, Carla Maloney, for years has been working. I don't know. She's now on a nine term. Well, that is a that's a great call from Frank, giving us a little bit of the insider story. I've got bad news for Frank. The reason he's not seeing Carolyn Maloney around there is that's no longer in her district. And that's one of the reasons. And that's a great call by Frank. Calls back again. One of That's one of the reasons why Carolyn is disadvantaged here is that some of all some of the old parts of her district are not included. Jerry lost some parts of his district as well, but unlike Manhattan, which everyone is kind of on top of one another, Astoria would have been a base for Maloney to grow in. And the other thing that he mentioned is worth noting: this guy Patel has now been running at you know running against Carolyn for four years, and that certainly hurts her more than it hurts um, hurts Jerry Nadler. Uh, next, let's go to David up in Tuxedo, New York. David, sorry to keep you holding so long. David, are you with us? David, turn off your radio and you're on the air. Hi. Hi. I I wanted to bring to your attention that the uh, Georgia voting Mm -hmm. law, I I have in front of me, and many people, you know, forget uh, what they're doing, that they say, uh, I'm a registered Democrat all my life, but I I feel that the information being disseminated is really not correct because you're allowed to give water in a water stand 
as long as you're not doing any uh, prohibits electioneering within 150 feet of a poll place. That's the purpose of that. It's not that they can't give out water because they can give out water. What I'm, I'm, I'm reading here from Associated Press report about the judge, the judge said voting rights groups had failed to show that prohibiting the distribution of food and drinks within 150 feet, 45 meters of a polling place violates their rights. That's what the bill. That's what the law says. You can't you can't distribute food and water by a, uh, within 150 feet of a polling place. OK, I believe you're reading it correctly, but I have the actual law in front of me. You're allowed to have water in a freestanding place where people could drink by themselves and people can carry water if they yeah, want. Yeah, no, but I, I, I see why we're having a misunderstanding. And thank you for calling, David. I appreciate your calling. No, this was the issue. So so post post covid and and even in, in, in the special the special elections in Georgia, they closed a lot of polling places. A lot of uh, Stacey Abrams believe the reason that they closed them was to disenfranchise her voters. Let's put that aside. So what volunteers went out to do to since people were standing on these really, really long lines is they brought out water and food for them since they were staying, staying in line 45 minutes, an hour, two hours. That's what was prohibited. Not the campaigning, not electioneering, which are those restrictions are in place. You can't even give out water. And, 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 and it's clear why they're doing that. They're doing that to make it they don't want people in those polling places to turn out and vote, and it's being challenged in court. Now, I should say the judge did not say that they might not strike it down. They just said they're not going to strike it down now. There's, there's still a, a trial that has to come. Um, so listen, on, on the other side, we have more calls that are piled up. I'm going to try to get to a few more. 800-848-9222. This is a politics Saturday here on The Middle. Every Saturday from 2 to 3 here on The Middle, you're in the middle of a conversation about politics in New York and around the country. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you on the other side. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Finding new ways to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. This is the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. Welcome back to The Middle. I am Anthony Weiner. Bad Matters bring us back. Lip up fatty. Every Saturday from 2 to 3, we try to kind of come to the middle on things. We're doing some punditry. We're doing some kind of reading the tea leaves. And we're also trying to figure out what it all, what it means. It's hard to say. You know, look, it's August. Thing, This thing could change a dozen times. Um, but there is certainly some indication that um, that things have improved somewhat for Democrats. I don't think anyone's out of the woods yet. I would still be surprised if Republicans didn't wind up holding on and that didn't wind up being um, still a very good year for um, for uh, for Republicans. It usually is. Look, I mean, here's the thinking. The thinking is that the party that wins the presidency, they kind of exhale a little bit. They're like, OK, our guy's in. We did our work. He, our guy won. Nothing animates people more than being upset about stuff. People that that lost 
are the more are the more animated always in the in the political you know in in play now that doesn't explain why there's often people get reelected but i'm just saying that that's where the energy is and to the extent that joe biden people thought well joe biden's on the ticket this year kind of not literally but figuratively he is the person that a lot of people are really upset about he's going to drag down people at the bottom of the ticket but what we're finding out is that there's things dobbs changed that they had a little success in washington all the news about the past president is kind of distracted a little bit from how badly uh, Biden had been doing. You know, now there's some he's got some wins on the board. And also, remember, you know, the candidates make a difference. Uh, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, said this week, you know, one of the reasons that Republicans are not doing well in the Senate races, he says, because of candidate selection, meaning, <clears throat> again, he doesn't like Donald Trump and Donald Trump doesn't like him. He says all these Donald Trump candidates are not doing well, I think. But in House races... Every race is local. Every race is local. Um, by the way, there was a woman. On, there was a, a woman on the board, Rich, who who said that she had a way to remove the smell from my car. That person, whoever you are, Wiener WABC at Gmail. Please tell me how to do it. It's not my car. It's um, it is my friend Peter's Wiener WABC at Gmail dot com. All right, let's go to a final few calls as we wrap up. Curtis is coming in at three o'clock for left versus right. We're going to have some fun. We always do. Um, and he is fired up. It's amazing. For a guy who's on, on the radio for like 140 hours every week, he still stays, stays very fired up about the issues of the day. Um, uh, let's go to John in Warren County. Hey, John, thank you for holding on. Hey, Anthony, how are you? I'm well, John. Kind of my thoughts on the, you know, I really appreciated your perspective on, you know, getting your car cleaned and, you know, how you had a godly experience. My expect. My question would be, which side of the party do you think is more in tune to not even Christian values, but godly values? Oh, boy. Well, we can do, we can, we can do a whole show on that. But my sense, you know, I'm not a particularly religious. I feel, you know, I've gotten more spiritual and I have a sense of a higher power and things like that. But I wasn't raised in a particularly religious household. But my sense is that... That, you know, if we believe that the fundamental thing that patches us together, whatever religion you believe in, is this notion of taking care of one another and being mindful of one another and, you know, and being grateful. And one way of of showing gratitude is by helping one another. I think that Democrats, I think Democrats do that. I think Democrats believe in that. You know, I think that Republicans are more about the individual, and I think that the Democrats are more about the community. But what do you think? I, I would say the opposite. I definitely think Republicans are more about the individual, like specifically related to, you know, the right to, to live. Yeah, I mean, look, I am not, we, we have a show here, the rabbi and the, the reverend and the rabbi, maybe that that's a place to have this conversation. But I think that it's not about individual, We're, you know, God created created us to take care of one another. You know, this idea, you know, sometimes I hear conversations among Republicans talking about people that cross the border taking, you know, as if they're not human beings. You know, these are children. These these are, you know, a lot of them, you know, whatever you think about the law and how we should enforce it and why they're coming. At the end of the day, children don't have politics. You know, when when we have the ability to feed more children who are hungry in this country, We should do it when we have an opportunity to take care of one another, to care for one another. We should do it. And 
I think that that speaks into policy in some ways. I think that it's not just about individuals. I don't think God created us just to be individual do-gooders. They, they created, I think we were created to take care of one another. But I'll give you the final word, John. No. I, uh, Anthony, I appreciate you. You're a good, you're a good man. Um, I hope that you turn more towards God. I appreciate and, uh, that. I, I, and, and so, and so do I. That out because as I stand here, I, I look at my 12-step book. And I've also had um, some problems, but you know, God is the way, man. It 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 certainly is, and and I'm I'm praying for you, my brother. Thank you for calling in, uh, Barbara in Long Island. Barbara, sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, yes. Oh, I, I've learned so much from you, and I'm so glad you are on the radio. Um, I'd like to know: Do senators and representatives? Are they actually given a copy of a bill to read before a vote is taken? Are they familiar with what is in a bill? Great question. Uh, Because I remember with Obamacare, I remember what Pelosi said. Uh, It was a 2,000-page bill. She said, uh, just vote, and and we will make any adjustments in Hmm. time to come. Now, with the uh, inflation reduction bill, do senators and representatives know what is on every page? Do they know what they are voting for? Excellent question. Well, Barbara, listen, we're bumping up to a break, so let me answer. First of all, it's a great question. I appreciate you asking it. So the answer is yes and no. Um, if you are a member of the committee that this all passed through, and this is several committees came through this other one, very often you have something called a markup where you go through line by line by line by line of the bill make changes, make amendments. And so the members of that committee would probably know. But by and large, members do not read every single bill. Um, Now, when it came to Obamacare, is a great example. I read every single line of that bill because I helped write that bill. I was on the Energy and Commerce Committee. I was doing, I did 16 town hall meetings, and so I had to know the bill. People were chanting, read the bill, read the bill. And I would say, the heck with you, I wrote the bill. And I was proud of that. But But Barbara, no, not every single document gets read. However, I will say this. Someone is, <laughs> like member of your staff is, um, uh, um, the, the, the parliamentarian is. People are reading it, but it, I would say not every single uh, word uh, was read by every single member. Um, but I don't think you should be too cynical about that. I think that's probably true of people in a lot of businesses. So, so you know, I'm not sure the guy that fixed my Ford read every single sentence in the in the repair manual. He read what he needed to do, but um, it's a great question. Listen, it's been a great a great show. I'm super grateful for the participation of everyone who called in. Sorry I got bogged down in that story at the beginning, but I just want to explain to you how much gratitude I had walking in the door. And I'm really happy that all of you are able to join me. I hope you join me again. Listen to the podcast and stick around. Coming back after the break, Left versus Right with me and Curtis Sliwa. Thank you so much for joining me in the middle. Have a blessed afternoon.